millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I just felt that Wickham came here today and they were quite smug with that sort of Wickham presence, you know? Unfortunately, that we are Sunderland and this is the Stadium of Light. And when you come to our house, then you have to play by our rules. Association with Vogue Brew, where everything is not great, it's fantastic. We have just decimated the league leaders, well, the former league leaders, Wickham Wanderers 4-0, in our own house, playing, of course, by our own rules. We were 3-0 up within 21 minutes, and for all the talk of Gareth Ainsworth and his infamous bruiser Wickham Wanderers side, who you would think would thrive in adverse weather conditions with players who could kick you about, they did everything wrong and we did everything right. We'll go for the actual review of the match itself. If you have the displeasure of having not seen Sunderland play yesterday, which is normally the opposite of what I say, we lined up with McLaughlin in goal, Willis, Ozturk, Flanagan, 9 Power, Dobson, Hume, Maguire, Wyke and Gooch. We started off pretty well. A great move from Lyndon Gooch in Denver Hume. Got the ball to Charlie Wyke, who tapped it in from close range to make it 1-0. The second came after a brilliant move down the right flank, where we totally just tore Wickham to pieces with some lovely passing movements. And when we eventually got the ball to Denver Hume, who hit it in from not close range, but he took it first time, kept it low, and found the bottom right-hand corner to make it 2-0. It was then 3-0 when the uh, landlord of the Adams Park house, uh, Darius Charles, didn't follow the rule that said that if you bring down a player in the box, he'll give away a penalty because he did that at Lyndon Gooch and Maguire converted to make it 3-0 in 21 minutes. In the second half, we rounded it all off with a stellar free kick from Maguire again to make it 4-0. So truly, that was a fantastic game. I'm your host, Alex, and I'm joined today by Ant from the Roker Report. How are you, Ant? Yeah, very well. Very well, thank you very much. Good stuff. I'm also joined by Richard Menier from The Echo. How are you doing, Richard? I'm very well, thank you very much. Good stuff. And I'm also joined by Sky Sports' Keith Downey. How are you doing, Keith? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Good stuff, good stuff. So before we jump into the fan questions pertaining to the Wickham game, let's get some thoughts on that. We'll go to you, Ant. What did you make of the game yesterday? I thought we were absolutely fantastic. From from the first whistle to the last, I thought literally the, every player was was brilliant. I thought the fans were absolutely amazing once again. Um, you know, I think they've really got behind, which is what we all want, want a bit of unity. We've really got behind the team in recent weeks. Um and it was just such it was such a nice feeling to come out of the of the game. I was saying to my dad when run away, but I was like, that was that was just so nice, so good. And um like I say, from the first minute we were we were straight at them. We wouldn't let Wickham settle into like a rhythm where they were trying to like sort of kick us or anything like that. Just wouldn't, they wouldn't couldn't get anywhere near us, could they really? for the first 20 minutes or so. Um, scored three 
three of the four goals were excellent goals. Thought Maguire's free kick was absolutely tremendous. Um, then for Hume, over the moon for him for his first goal. I think he's deserved it, the way he's come on this season. Um, Charlie White as well, he's had a lot of critics in the, in recent weeks as well. Even though we've turned it around, Charlie's still been a little bit poor. I thought he was fantastic up front. Um, literally cannot fault anything about yesterday at all. What about you, Richard? Uh, it was the most complete Sullen performance I think I've seen probably since the end of the Premier League days. Can't remember a better performance in League One. Championship season was pretty much a write-off for most of it. Um, that kind of last week in the Premier League against Everton, you know, under Sam Allardyce, that kind yeah. of week, um, it was probably similar to those kind of performance levels, I think. Um, Lincoln was decent. Well, no, it was better than decent. Lincoln first half was really good last week, but second half they tailed off quite badly. But yesterday was uh, no, they were superb from start to finish. Um, they were relentless, and I think the fitness levels have improved dramatically. I think Nick Allenby has a has had a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil Parkinson touched on that. Yeah, a couple of times he said in recent much, weeks. Didn't he, in the press conference, and they just do look fitter, and that then allows them to play that. Uh, really intense pressing game with 09 and Hume bombing down. It's really a 3 4 3 system, isn't it, with those two mm-hmm. playing as wingers for most of the time? Yeah. Um, Again, it, we decide what the formation is based on how well games are going. If we're yeah. not, playing, not playing very well, it's firmly a 5. Yeah, well, drilling them away when, well, that was one of the low points of the season. Yeah. That was firmly a back 5. Oh, yeah. With um, Debock and I think Conor McLaughlin, wasn't it? Oh, 09. Um, but since then, or since Boxing Day, I think Phil Parkinson's had a. A change in his approach as well so I think he deserves a lot of credit mm-hmm. for the way things have turned around um, and now it's about sustaining that Can I just interject there Richard you said something there about the um, the fitness levels yeah. and I've heard quite a lot of people saying that over the last week or two since results have got a bit better yeah. what, what is the what was the feeling there I mean obviously I, I knew Jack quite well was the feeling that the players weren't fit enough under him I don't think so maybe a couple of players the likes of Chris Maguire and stuff he's coming for criticism um, for not being fit enough and Phil Parkinson's said that he's been doing extra training sessions and stuff like that since he came in so I wouldn't say there was a general fitness problem under Jack Ross I just think they just, they just look fitter and they are fitter under Phil Parkinson mm. so Nick Allenby's come in um, as kind of a specialist on that side of things so I think he's had a big impact so yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying they were unfit or anything like that under Jack Ross. No, no, the, just, the just, just, just I've heard it from a few people, and I yeah, just wonder. Yeah. I just wondered yeah. what because I, I think under Jack Ross, they didn't really play that pressing kind of game, did they? No. Whereas, and to be fair, under Parkinson for the first ten games or so, they didn't either. Yeah, <laughs> um, we tried it against Tranmere, didn't we? But the fact that Tranmere were that bad, we just yeah. kind of just walked through it anyway. But the last four games, there's there's been a definite sea change, and I think that's the way you'll win promotion out of this league. Mm-hmm. I think if Jack, I think. If under Jack Ross, hypothetically, the lads weren't fit, it might not have shown, really, because I think as many fans criticised him for towards the end of his tenure, yeah. he didn't have a very discernible identity. And when we did play, we played very defensively and very cautiously. Um, yeah, I mean, I, look, I'm a big Jack Ross fan, and I think he's an excellent manager, and I think he'll have an excellent career. And he's very methodical, and he's very well prepared, so I don't for a minute think that the players weren't fit under him. No. I just think that the levels have improved under Parkinson. Yeah. A question here from... I believe I'm saying this right. Helen Fothergill says, we've scored seven goals in our last two league games, as many as we've scored in our previous nine league matches. Is this a blip in form, or are we finally seeing the team at its full potential, Richard? Um, yeah, probably the latter. Um, I mean, the system suits the plays that he's currently got. I think the back three... I mean, Parkinson's had a couple of 1-1 draws playing the back three, so Jack Ross would have got pelters for that, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Parkinson was getting heavy criticism, but I think this system suits the current players... Uh, really suits O'Nine and Hume and those kind of wing-back slash winger roles. Um, Lyndon Gooch has been excellent since he came back. Um, Chris Maguire is, looks looks to have added that consistency over the last four games. So you can't really judge that until it's a 10-game period, I wouldn't say. But he's been excellent. Uh, his set-piece delivery is brilliant. And Charlie White's made a big impact. Bear in mind that Charlie White got injured in Phil Parkinson's first game at Wickham and he missed two months or so. Six yeah. weeks or so. Um, I'm not saying Charlie White's a, a well beater, but he offers that focal point that the likes of Will Grigg doesn't. And when Will Grigg plays, the whole pace of the team slows down. Mm-hmm. That, just watching that game yesterday, that is how I would imagine a Sundown supporter wants to see their team play. Yeah. That 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 is the best. I mean, when the goals were sort of raining in in the first half, I kind of had a glance around and looked at the supporters and just to see smiles and faces and you know them looking happy. Yeah, for a change was just so refreshing. But from the from kick off until the until the final whistle went, I thought the pressing was unbelievable. Mm. Like honestly, and you could go through that entire team from John McLaughlin, who made those two unbelievable saves uh, in injury time, yeah. to Charlie White up front. There was nobody in that team I think that was less than an eight out of ten. It was just a complete team performance. 
And I think what I was most impressed with was at 3-0 up, you could easily not so much take your foot off the gas, but you could just play out the second half. But what I liked about them is Wickham obviously got a bit of a rocket at half time. You could see they upped the game a little bit in the second half. And you just dug in there. You just dug in yeah. and sort of no, I'm not saying whether the storm because I wasn't that, but he almost I felt like Sunderland almost in the second half, despite the fact they only scored one goal, just felt like you felt like just upped it even more and just got real control of the game in the second half. And I think sometimes, I mean, I'm a I'm a Hearts supporter. And I remember when Hearts went in a great run five, six, seven years ago, and we were winning games at home three, four, and we were always three 0 up after twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and then you'd get home and you'd be like, oh, it was only three 0 today because <laughs> the goals were so early. Do you know what I mean? You were kind yeah. of disappointed. And yesterday's game, and I'd imagine the Lincoln game mm. previous to that probably had that feeling. But I just mm. felt, looking at the second half, although you only scored one and what a goal it was, just the way you controlled the second half of that match was probably the most impressive thing. Because it's easy. I mean, the, the, the amount of energy that must have gone into that mm. first half with the closing down and the work mm. rate off the ball could easily have tailed off in the second half. But I felt like, despite the fact they only scored one, I felt like it went up again mm. to, towards the, yeah, yeah. the towards the end of the match. Mm-hmm. There was still the that feeling, wasn't there, in the Sunderland team that they had another one or two, possibly three goals in them. I mean, the first they had half, chances. I mean, they had yeah. chances. I mean, they had yeah. loads of chances. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think they, the other thing to say is shop. that the, he's clearly settled on his preferred 11, 12 players. So you, it was unchanged, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, they are unchanged yesterday. And they pretty much played the same team four games in nine or ten days over Christmas mm-hmm. and that's a testament to the fitness levels again that they're playing the same yeah, team and again too and then they had the fitness settled. levels they did yeah. yesterday I thought the two and I mean I know we were talking the whole team were great but I thought and the front three were excellent especially the wide guys they're closing down but for me I felt the two in the middle of the park like they do a lot of sort of dirty work that goes mm. unnoticed and mm-hmm. a couple of unbelievable blocks and in, in, in the kind of attacking third of play there was one actually in, near the start of the second half when I think Max Power came in near the dugouts and he put in this sliding sort of challenge blocked it and yeah. played in I think Gooch and White were through together and mm-hmm. they passed up the opportunity went just wide but I mean that was literally a chance out of absolute nothing out of just his sheer work yeah, and yeah. endeavour mm-hmm. to close it down I think it was one in the first half as well where um, Dobson went down the ball was getting ushered out for mm-hmm. a, a goal kick and he somehow manages to get a touch like just mm-hmm. chased it down chased it down harried, harried got a touch won a corner I'm not sure if that came about one of the goals but it was round about that period when the goals were going in and just that work rate off the ball yeah. that can sometimes go unnoticed and you could see though although it can sometimes go unnoticed with people watching in the ground it doesn't go unnoticed with the players because you could see them mm-hmm. after the yeah, game yeah, yeah. really going to those two and saying how good you know, yeah. congratulating them yeah. and that pressing led to one of the goals yesterday it led it, to a couple of the goals against Lincoln and it's just yeah, it, it, it's just that I think it's it's that pressure and that positivity which mm. is I think born from having a good mentality of knowing that you know we're in we're in a good run here we're doing well if we keep this up we can keep winning and I suppose as well a, a testament again to the fitness isn't it but no yeah I couldn't agree more with that Keith I think I think seldom is the player who plays the pass before the assist is the one who gets the credit for it but when you look at players like especially I think George Dobson I think in the past few games he's been you know like a really underrated member of that team he's been a real anchor in the midfield and he's yes yesterday again he was instrumental to many of the attacks orchestrated I think none more so than um, Denver Hume and that brings us to a question from Chris Hewitt here who says Denver Hume player of the season so far and yeah you can't argue against it can you I mean from from the Ipswich game um, first away game of the season he got subbed up at half time he looked like a lost little boy didn't he and he was playing in kind of the same role that he's playing in now and then you look at him the last few games he's driving forward he's he's beating players really easily he's got a few assists he's crossing um, all season has, has, got, has uh, improved dramatically and then yesterday, yesterday for a left back for a young lad to finish with so much ease and sort of confidence, really, it's just a sentiment to him, and and you can tell by his celebration he was over the moon. We mm-hmm. were like we were so happy for him as well, and yeah, I mean I, I can't really argue with that really. I think he has been the most consistent player, bar possibly O nine, uh, but you know what you're getting out of O nine anyway. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to get a hundred percent out of him. But for for someone from the start of the season who looked lost, now looks like a top top player in the making really yeah. I think, so, yeah, I think you get point. more end product out of Hume as well in terms of crosses and potential, uh, potential assists and, mm-hmm. and I was pleased he got his goal yesterday and you mentioned him being hauled off at Ipswich I think it was Bolton as well mm-hmm. Bolton away as well when he was hauled off at half time twice yeah, in the first five weeks of the season he was subbed at half time so to be fair to him he's bounced back brilliantly since then mm-hmm. for uh, a young lad yeah I mean I think I think um, I think Hume and Gooch down that left hand side to me 
look like two players and I'm not trying to for a second trying to say you're you're going to lose them but they look like two players who could really go through the levels yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like they look like they've got a lot more to give I mean I, I remember seeing Andy Robertson at Liverpool when he was playing for Queen's Park in Scotland in the fourth year of Scottish football and you could see he had something in him mm. and just watching although obviously Devin Hume's at a higher level than, than Andy was then there's, I just watched them yesterday there's a lot of things mm-hmm. that they've, they've really got in common and you could just see that they're the sort of players if they get the confidence and they get into a winning sort of mentality those two players can really go can really go through the levels whether that's with Sunderland or someone else I don't know but you could see that they, they can perform at a higher level if they got a, a number of games under the belt and they're playing at optimum fitness and yeah. they look yesterday I mean that they're, they're yeah, re- yeah. certainly I mean Gooch to me looked certainly a lot more nimble and quicker and fitter than, than when I've ever seen him before yeah. I think mm-hmm. that Gooch-Hume partnership is also a lot more effective than the Hume-McGeady partnership down that left-hand yeah, side. Yeah, but Gooch well. helps him out a lot more, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah like, yeah, McGeady yeah. just didn't really want to do that work, whereas Gooch literally doesn't stop running. I mean, he walked off yesterday, he looked knackered, didn't he, when he walked off, to be yeah. fair to him. He got a stand ovation and everything, but yeah. I think the upturn in our form has coincided with him returning, and I think Parkinson has also found his best position for us because he's kind of not playing... Is, is like sort of more wide than what he's been used to. Yeah. He's sort of helping out White a little bit more central and he's getting in and around the box and he's he's quite a little he's a terrier really as well when he's off the ball and uh, trying to get the trying to get the ball back and stuff like that. And I think he's really improved our our performances as well. Do you know what it looked a bit like yesterday? I've seen a lot of Sheffield United this season and it actually reminded me of them, like their setup. It was almost identical the formation with the two centre half sort of splitting and kind of mm-hmm. almost like overlapping round the side. I mean mm-hmm. In the first half, um, Willis, who was playing on the right, I think of the back three, wasn't mm. he? It was almost like, I mean, I think he was high, he was involved. I think it was him that put the cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. he was involved in the, perhaps involved in one of the other ones as well. But he was he was just charging forward down the the right hand side. I'm not too sure whether Flanagan was so much involved in the left, but yeah. it just reminded me of Sheffield United the way they mm-hmm. played. Wickham almost didn't know what to do with the overload, and every time they went, you just watched either Power or Dobson just drop in and play like a second centre half. And like, I mean, it's not just championship teams who've struggled with that. With Sheffield United, Premier League teams are struggling with that this season as well. We saw West Ham um, on Friday night. There, we've seen a number of teams struggle with that. So, you know, if they can keep doing that and keep improving, and the players get used to it, I think teams are really going to struggle against that. In the press conference, Parkinson touched on that, didn't he? The Willis cross to Hume, and he he seemed really pleased in particular with that goal because like they've been working on it you sense they've been working on the training yeah, ground yeah. and he's really keen on bodies on the other side of the pitch getting in the box etc yeah that's right he so, said yeah. He said you've got a centre yeah. half yeah. crossing it and you've got a left wing back yeah. finishing which it off which is his ideal yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah which is exactly what you've seen from Sheffield United over the last couple of years so, so I expect more of that and Willis I think second half as well he was encouraged to get forward a little bit as yeah. well so. I think that three at the back I mean now that we can conclusively call it three at the back yeah. works as a really well as a cohesive unit for the same reason Chris Wilder's United worked as a really cohesive unit because when the sort of the wing back or the winger is getting forward then the centre back who's on that side comes around to provide the cover and in Jordan Willis you know we've got quite a pacey young lad he's, yeah. he's, he's very adept with his feet he's you know he can perform the no-nonsense duty as well I think I think we've got players that work quite conveniently in a system that they would never have had at the start of the season yeah. because Ross played a very similar looking and again this isn't a really sort of like you know chuck dirt to Ross because you know at the same time I, I do think he was trying to implement something you know equally as effective but mm. I think he went about it possibly wrong or maybe yeah. the maybe he was just unfortunate that the lads would, were not used to yeah. it by then I think the wing-backs under him were more wing-backs whereas they were, he yeah. encouraged to get a bit further forward yeah. Yeah. You, look at, you look at Hume say against the Oxford game first day of the season against Wickham yesterday and it's just night and day yeah. like the way the way Hume was playing as a wing-back is how I would expect McGeady to have played as a winger which was the fairly predictable you know, take the ball, run to the byline, swing it in. But if you you looked at Hume and it, it looked so unnatural when he did that start of the season because he was running the length of the pitch. He'd get to the byline, the cross would be it would be going to the stands. Mm-hmm. Whereas you look at him now, and you know he he mainly doubles up with Gooch if he goes down the flank, or he'll cut inside and he'll put the ball through the middle. And he's very he's quite hard to predict. And I think that must be a real nightmare for the average League One defender. You're comparing him to McGeady as well, and. Obviously, I'm aware they played different positions, but McGeady, while he was good at what he did, he was very predictable. Like when he took the ball and he and he dribbled to the byline, you knew exactly what he was going to try and do. If he wasn't cutting inside, yeah. if he was going to the byline, he was he was he was fainting. Then he was moving down and swinging it in. But also, we, he'll he'll slow the game down as well because yeah. he'll want to take an extra touch. I mean, McGeady's still the best player at the club. Don't get us wrong. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Technically, but yeah, I think, I think it's, yeah, I think it's easier to, for people to have a little kind of 
pop at McGee when he's when he's out, he's when he's out yeah. of the team. He's, and he's I think it's easy to say, well, that that must be the factor because he's out of the team. But yeah. you need to remember, six weeks ago, um, you were all you were all saying, you know, he's our best player. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. yeah. you need to. It's, it's very easy to make that judgment. Yeah. I think that's unfair. I just him. think maybe we work better without him. I think that's just, we've we've kind of. Um, I think the proof's in the pudding in the last four weeks because he's not been in in and around the team. And we're playing this sort of more quicker, high-pressing football. I'm not overly confident McGeady would have been comfortable doing that. Is you know, it's a unit, I think, more effective, like yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he, as I say, as personally, I still think still the best technique. Oh, un- undoubtedly. Yeah. If, if we're going pound to pound on just like sheer quality, I think he, in, in the in the whole yeah. league, McGeady will still be your best player in yeah. League One. Has to be. But do I think we're working better as a team without him? The way we're playing, I, I, I do think so. Because I think the way the human gooch play on that flank is more effective than having McGeady there for one of them. Mm. And I think obviously a team's more than the sum of its parts. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, I mean, again, you can't, you can't deny that McGeady is a very good footballer. But if he doesn't work in the system, he doesn't work in the system. Yeah. And I think that's what we've, we've found fairly conclusively. Yeah. But you felt, I, I you felt, you almost felt when McGeady was in the team, the games that I saw, you felt that almost like you built up McGeady. You know, he's best, he's, he's been the best player today, and then the rest were almost struggling to almost play. I don't know if it was a difference in ability level yeah. or whatever. But yeah. yesterday, to me, it looked like a, a team. It looked like a team, and everyone mm-hmm. everyone pulled their weight. The decision making was excellent. It looked like everyone was on the same wavelength, and even in those conditions, I mean, it was so windy in that first yeah. half. Mm. It's so so mm. easy, and that and those when you've got the wind at your back, they just launch it yeah. long, and they went. And they were playing it on the deck, and a couple of goals came from excellent. We had maybe like 10, 15 passes beforehand. One of the goals in particular, I think it may have been Hume's goal, like mm. they moved down the right yeah. hand side and yeah. they finished. Mm-hmm. The, the passing was unbelievable. Oh, it was I think, and it would have been so easy for them just to to, to launch it long in those mm-hmm. conditions, and, and they didn't. I think. With McGeady as well is that because he's the best player they would always look to him yeah. so then become a bit predictable as well yeah. Yeah. so this system because it's just more effective I think mm. but Ozturk as well I think has been excellent the last month or so oh absolutely he's yeah. very simple keeps it simple but he's been excellent the last five mm. weeks or so It's I think when you're in League 1 it's well, you know, I think if you're in like any of the lower divisions of the Football League to, to do to do the job of a centre-back just a, a standard centre-back is quite a basic one but to do it well is a different story you mm-hmm. know because you have to I, I suppose I mean I'm 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 not going to pretend that I have ever been a football league's centre back, but when you when you look at what what's required to be a good one, you need that positional awareness, the ability to know when to take a pass to hit it long if need be. You know when are you no nonsense, when are you not? Well, there was that, a lot of think, that yesterday, wasn't there? Yeah. I mean, there was quite a few times in that first half where they've been under the cosh a bit and they've just lumped it out the box, mm-hmm. but yeah. they've done it in the right areas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. launched it. I mean, they didn't just launch it for the sake of it. They launched it in the right areas and then played football in the right areas. Mm-hmm. And I just felt the decision-making from the first whistle to the end was absolutely exemplary. I really absolutely. did. I think there's a difference definitely between you know, sometimes when you hit it long, you look like a team that is just desperate to get the ball away from danger, mm. and we've seen that before. But there's also a team that can calculate it, as, as I think you've, you've alluded to there, Keith. And yeah, I mean, I think Oztuk's been tremendous. All, all we're waiting for now, Keith, is one of those goals that he scored when he was with Hearts. <laughs> That's all we're waiting for <laughs> well, now. Well, that was a good Oztuk. one, wasn't it? Against Hibs, <laughs> yeah. deep yeah. in the injury time yeah, for. Yeah. Uh, were you there um, for it, or did you see? I it? wasn't there. I think um, devastated. I think I was actually down here at that, but it must have been. What year was that? 2000, it was a what? something like that. Can't remember. I think so. I think I was down. I think I was down here. But um, yeah, I remember watching the TV and getting a little bit excited. <laughs> <laughs> but he just allows our other centre halves as well, who are better footballers than him, to do what they can do. So that like, you look at Willis uh, setting up the the second goal yesterday. He knows he he's got a license to do that because he knows if the ball does break away, then. Ozturk is probably the better defender out of three. You know, yeah. he does all the dirty work well. Um, so it allows them, if they're comfortable with him doing that, it allows them to have, you know, a bit of free reign, really. I've not seen it back, but I thought Lynch could have gone. His second foul looked like, yeah. Because he gave the free kick, didn't it? It looked like a yellow. Yeah, yeah. didn't look great. No, but that side. Mm-hmm. Mm. If if we had to pick faults, you know that would be. I mean, I'm, I mean, I suppose if we have to pick faults, you would say that Maguire, um, uh, giving a big and giving the big and a Ryan Olsop. You know, yeah, what was all that card. about? I think he just got on his face and he and he shouted something, but I think the ref gave it as I mean I, I mean he, he gave it for something. I, I wasn't close enough to hear what he said, but <laughs> he said something, you know, as as Chris Maguire typically does. But you know, I, I think I think a, a lot of um, and I, it's it's a bit of a straw man argument. But there was that interview um, from Darius Charles when they beat us one nil. Um, in the reverse, when he gave the whole speech about our house, our yeah, rules, which obviously yeah. has really come back to bite him since then. Yeah. If you've been it's on social media in the last, <laughs> yeah, 
But I, I, I awesome. think I, I don't think it's unreasonable to assume that comments like those have galvanised players like Chris Maguire, who are very vocal and who are very sort of yeah, he loves that side of the game. Doesn't he, he does, yeah, yeah. 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 If, if he can, if he can get, a, if he can get a game, and you know, metaphorically speaking, the players by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, I think, I think he would, you know, and, and I think um, getting a bit of retribution for comments like that is something that he would thrive on. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's part of the game it's alright you know I, I, I don't mind I'm <laughs> glad he wasn't on four yellow cards like. no yeah that would <laughs> have been a really bad way to miss a game when it's celebrating a goal I would hey, yeah, that would have been a bit of a bit of a sort of um, uh, standing on his own toes we might say but <laughs> anyway a, another question from Chris Wallace who says now that we've played every team in the league who do you think is our who do you think are our biggest rivals for promotion oh that's a good question um, out of out of I've seen all the home games bar one um, haven't particularly been impressed with anyone who's come here, so it's that it's wide open for me. Mm-hmm. I think Coventry. I don't think Coventry would be far away. And Coventry look a good side. Um, Rotherham are hitting form at the right time, and Rotherham have got pretty much the same squad as they did got relegated last year. So they'll be there or thereabouts. But I'm, I certainly don't think there's anyone that we need to be fearful of. Um, so if we can keep on doing what we're doing mm-hmm. and keep on, you know, playing, you know, blowing teams away after half an hour, mm-hmm. we won't be far away. But yeah. we've that, that's the idea for us is mm-hmm. we have to keep it up. I'm sure, um, you know, we've gone to two away teams and people are saying, oh, Sunderland they're not good. So, you know, it, it's wide open. Like I said, there's six points between us and first isn't there mm-hmm. we've got a game in hand but then if we say if we lose next week we can go as far down as 11th I believe mm-hmm. so it's it's wide open it's, it's anyone's game it's going to be really interesting second half of the season I think right. I think well, Oxford have made a couple of decent signings early doors in the transfer yeah. window I think they could be potentially dangerous but but again I think they've they've didn't they get beat yesterday as well though yeah. they got beat off Rotherham yeah, 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 they, they yeah. are it's, any, it's, anyone's beat it's anyone. a very poor league yeah. which makes mm-hmm. it more frustrating why Sunderland are only 6th mm-hmm. and we're 15th a couple of weeks back you know what I mean yeah, but, uh, it's, it's quite incredible really but yeah. I think in, in a weird way it's very reassuring I mean obviously Keith you as you say haven't beaten many Sunderland games this season did you have to remind yourself yesterday that the team we were beating 4-0 were the team top of the league yeah it was strange wasn't it yeah. Yeah. I mean as I say you absolutely can boss that game Boston. I knew Wickham obviously got off to a strong start this season, but I've just looked at their um, form. Mm. It wasn't just yesterday; they'd been, they'd been struggling going oh, into yeah, that. Yeah, it was they've lost, I believe, lost four and yeah. drawn one from the yeah, last yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, listen, excuse my ignorance. I didn't recognise too many of their players in terms and of when I went through that's league one. When I, I went through the team sheet. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, I look at Rotherham and I'm, I recognise a few there. I think they've got like a decent squad. I recognise mm. a few in the Doncaster team, but I just looked at their team and other than Akin Fenwa and a couple of others, I didn't really. And that obviously that's a little bit of ignorance on my part, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I couldn't believe that Sunderland a, a couple of weeks ago were what down in fifteenth, fifteenth, yeah. and they yeah. and they were they were top. I mean, the the, the gulf between the two teams was mm. was unbelievable. Yeah. It just shows the league as well that we have been absolute dog for three months, yeah. and we've had a good run of form of four wins out of five, and we're suddenly sixth in promotional contention. Yeah. That's how quick it can turn. There are, there are a lot of teams up there though I will say that and although obviously you're on a good run of form at the moment there's still it's not as if there's like just one team away and you're just trying no, to catch no, them no, yeah, yeah. there's a lot there's yeah, a lot of yeah, teams yeah. and I think I, I stayed around and listened to Phil Parkinson yesterday and he was you know he, he was very sort of clear and he wanted the, everyone to kind of try and keep their feet yeah, in the ground yeah, yeah and I think that's important because mm-hmm. you know what it's like being a supporter of Sunderland or any of the teams in the North East it's very easy to kind of get like Excited and you know, think yeah. this is yeah. it. We're flying now. But never far from crisis. Yeah, no, any yeah. other clubs. It's, yeah. It's, it's. I mean, football's volatile at the best of times. I think you know, no more is that true in the northeast. You, you look at the league, and I think Parkinson's very right to remind us all that you know that we need to keep our feet on the ground. You know, yes, we've put together some good runs, but the the, the league being tight and letting us climb up quickly that works both ways. If you were to suddenly yeah. lose against MK Dons, you know, heaven forbid. You, you might slide back down again if other results go against you you could be back down to 12th mm-hmm. I think the lowest you could possibly go mathematically we could go back down to 12th so yeah. you know you've, you've got you've got to keep the, you've, got, you've got to keep it up you know it's one thing to beat the team top 4-0 but then you've got to keep that form the teams that win the league obviously are the teams that can win week in week out yeah, you, know, you, you never know what's in the corner I mean there, there might be a takeover here at Sunderland and then you might be in a bit of bother again I think we've got a massive game at the end of the, end of the month we're at uh, Portsmouth away um, and that's going to be a huge one of where we are if we can go into there on the same form they're on the same points as us. We're above them on goal difference. That's going to be that's going to be where you think. Right? Are we going to be promotion contenders? Are we going to be all sorts? I think. But you know, you, you'll get injuries. He's obviously named the same team for mm-hmm. the last five games. Pretty yeah. much one or two changes. Mm-hmm. At some point there'll be injuries. Um, obviously, he's looking to strengthen. Um, 
and despite their run of form, they absolutely still need yeah. four players, I think, and yeah. a bit more pace as well. Oh, definitely. I mean, actually, that's something that we'll come to in a second, but I think definitely if you look at the team, a, a concern that I would have is that, let's say, if you played Wickham on a day where they felt like kicking 10 lumps out of here because you... Like, well, they tried uh, to in the second half, Alex. Well, 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 we all know they do, but, but let's say that they kicked us in the wrong places and <laughs> we got Gooch and Hume injured for a month. Suddenly, I think I would be quite worried because they're two players who've performed admirably in this run that Parkinson's had with that consistently named team. But if you've got those two injured, are we confident that, say, Conor McLaughlin could come in and someone else could come in and fill, fill the same role and do the same job? Oh, we definitely need a left-sided player just to cover Hume. Um, even if it's if it's someone to come and say, right, you're going to be mm-hmm. second choice because you know Denver's mm-hmm. doing what Denver's doing, really. Um, but we need someone who's naturally left-footed there. What about that um, Reese James at Doncaster? Is he any I thought you were going to see the Chelsea one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that, be, that, that would be nice. You know, that would be nice. <laughs> Uh, but He's yeah. a right back anyway, though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, well, I guess we can't get him then. You know. <laughs> but yeah, um, there's something else as well, I suppose. We may as well mention it while we're on here, but um, uh, this is the most recent pod since Kyle Lafferty signed for the club, so what do we make of that? Um, a good sign, I think. I don't think there's too much risk in it because it's only a six-month contract, isn't it? He's obviously got a good pedigree, mixed, I you know, fully appreciate the mixed goal scoring record mm-hmm. and stuff, but um, he's probably a step up from some of the players we've already got at the club. Um, loads of experience um, I don't think his fitness is too far off I think he last played at the start of December but Phil Parkinson made the point yesterday that he was training at the academy like yesterday um, and you would expect him involved in a week or two I guess mm-hmm. so um, if you get him firing yeah, I yeah. think it should be a mm-hmm. fairly solid signing yeah I mean I've seen I've seen Kyle quite a lot up in Scotland I actually worked at Rangers when he was there for three years and obviously saw him at close hand when he was younger and then more recently he's been at, at Hearts the team mm-hmm. of support so I mean I, I've seen a lot of him over the years mm-hmm. Um, he's six foot four, uh, and I think because of that, people just think big target man. But mm. he's kind of a, a lanky six foot four. Like he's mm-hmm. he's 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 a bit. He's almost a couple of inches short of Peter Crouch yeah. in terms of how. But he's a similar sort of player. He's actually for a big lad. He's actually got a really good touch. Holds the ball mm-hmm. in well. He's he's quite. He's very clever, and he's an. He's an excellent finisher. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not just talking about from six yards. Like, you know, he'll, he'll rattle one in from 25 yards in the right. top corner. He's mm-hmm. a very, very good finisher. Mm-hmm. Um, however, he is he is 32. He's never been the quickest, but mm-hmm. he's always had that touch, and I think he's still yeah. going to have that touch, mm-hmm. and st- he's still going to have that game intelligence. So mm-hmm. I don't really think his game will have changed much because he was never really that quick anyway. Um, however, I'm aware that I, I think I sat in this exact seat a couple of years ago and said that Dylan McGeoch would be the... The best player in 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 the, in the no, was it in League One, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in League One. Yeah, and I thought that because I'd seen how well he'd yeah. played in, in Scotland. Yeah. So you know, I'm loath to kind of say Lafferty's going to be excellent, but I do think, having watched the team yesterday mm-hmm. and know the way Kyle plays, I actually think he would fit him nicely yeah. and he'd be an excellent yeah. foil for mm-hmm. for Charlie White. Well, from what you're saying there, Keith, obviously, if if perhaps one of the attributes he lacks is pace. That wouldn't be a concern, I don't imagine, for Parkinson because you look at Wyke and really the the the, the pace in, in attacking movements is done for him by the likes of Gooch and Hume mm. and Willis, and you know play, players of that of that ilk. Um, he's of, not. I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not. He's certainly not slow. No. But he's not. I mean, he's not. He's not. In it. I mean, he's kind of big, sort of galloping straight. He's he's, he's certainly not any slower than than Wyke. You yeah, know, I would no. say they're probably similar sort of. He's probably got. He's probably a better finisher than Wyke, and probably mm. got a better sort of like touch and things but like I actually think the two of them could you know be a good fall not playing alongside each other but just like bring one in put one the other one out yeah White yeah. should have scored more than one goal yesterday oh definitely yeah, yeah. 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 and I think that's one thing as well if I had to criticise him I would say I mean there was that there was that goal I believe it was in the second half when it, it came to him in the box I think there was a move down the side Again, it was another great move from from Dobson and Power to get it there in the first place. But it came to him, and he and he hit. It was maybe seven, six yards out, and he hit it wide. Yeah, I think this is the one that we were alluding to when Power. Oh yeah, 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 that's it. But you you look at that and you think, really, I mean, you've scored already, which is great, Mm -hmm. and we are definitely not going to lose this game. The game does not hinge on you missing that, but yeah. it'd be nice if you could have scored it. You know, yeah. it's one of those things. And I feel like... He did look better, though, from the last time I oh, saw him, like, I weeks he ago. He did, yeah. look, he did look a lot better, and he lasted mm. as well. Um, he, he did. And just just in terms of Kyle as well, one thing he does is he's a scorer of big goals, and by that I mean, I mean important goals. Mm-hmm. He's, he's won league title deciders up in 
in Scotland scored them on twice that I can remember scored the crucial goal that's won the, the league and in a way Matt I remember when against Hibs they had to away from home a really tough game last game of the season the, the title could have gone to either Celtic or Rangers they won 1-0 Lafferty scored the goal mm-hmm. he then scored a hat-trick against Kamarnak away in a title winning win as well when it was going right down to the wire and he scored big goals for Hearts. He scored a cracking goal against Celtic two years ago when Celtic were on a 69 match unbeaten run and Hearts beat them 4 0. Right. And Lafferty was involved in three, scored one unbelievable goal. So he scores important goals. We've seen that with Northern Ireland as well. Good international regards, yeah, yeah. Say, yeah. I think he's their second 20, highest. 20 goals, 20 goals yeah, the yeah. second highest mm-hmm. all time scorer. So he's a scorer of important goals and he's the kind of guy I would want in my dressing room come the end of the season. If you're up there in the playoff positions or the top two, and you need a win to go through. Mm-hmm. He's a sort of guy. He's almost just got that lucky sort of element that, that falls to him in the right place, and he's he's cool under pressure. So you know he might be the kind of guy who, come the business end of the season, might be really really valuable to you. I think it's a good sign, especially in six months. You can't go. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Go yeah, I mean, so even if it doesn't work, as you say, like it, it's not going to be an issue that it would hamper the yeah next the season. Yeah. It feels like a signing, and obviously, again, I say this because I was I was another advocate of Dylan McGeoch. I thought. Will Grigg was going to be great, but you know his. You know again, touching wood. I I do believe that Lafferty will be a very good fit because I, I just feel like he could do the same job as White potentially a lot better. But again, that that that's not to have another go at White because yesterday again, mm-hmm. what I think White does very well to maybe move it back over to him is he performs obviously the striker's duties well. You know he got a goal yesterday. He was there in the right place at the right time. But he gets back quite a bit. If you look at like, I think there was like a like not like a heat map, but like a map that we saw of like his average position. And yeah. It's quite far down for a striker. Yeah. So you know he, he does. He, he gets back. And does the work? Yeah. Yeah. He can. He almost sometimes doubles up as a, as as it has his own attacking midfielder. You know to bring bring the ball back and then square it to someone who's a bit more technical. So I, I think I think for what we've got from him, I think you know we're we're all very satisfied with how well Wyke's playing. A question for you, Keith, from Ross Lawson, who says, what transfer activity does Keith expect us to do oh. this month? Does he think Greg and McGeady will be Sunderland plays the end of the month still because of the wages? You're probably better asking Richard this one. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, yeah, I've kind of been out the loop for a little bit. I mean, obviously, we got the nod. I got the nod earlier last week about Lafferty, so we kind of knew that one was happening. Um, I'm not, I mean, it hasn't worked out for Greg, has it? But I think no. the issue with Greg is, are you going to get, unless you're going to loan him out, are you going to get someone who's going to come in and pay similar money to what Sunderland paid for for him and that that is it I mean it, it almost makes him diff, really difficult to sell so yeah. I'm not too sure whether you'll know better than me Richard I'm not too sure whether he's going to allow him to go out on loan or not there's a lot of talk about um, Liam Boyce as mm-hmm. well I mean as as you know as a Sunderland supporter he's he's pretty good at scoring at the, at the stadium mm-hmm. like he has done so I think I think he would be a a, a great sign in whether that would then allow Greg to go out on loan but you have to say if Boyce was to come in and you've got Greg, Boyce, Lafferty, White, McNulty, and what more if you count him? It's too many. It's yeah. too many. So, so a couple have to go. I got the impression that Parkinson was speaking yesterday that he still wants to bring in an, an attacker. Now, by that, I don't think. I mean, he's ruled out Gary Medine now because he's got Lafferty. Mm-hmm. So it sounds as though he wants someone to play in a wider area. Um, having seen Liam Boyce a number of times, I'm not sure. I think he's better through the middle as well. I'm not sure mm-hmm. whether you'd play him down down the wing. So. That for me would make Boyce unlikely, but I don't know. I don't know the ins mm-hmm. and outs of that transfer. Um, he also said a, a central midfielder, didn't yeah. he? Or he yeah. indicated a central midfielder and mm-hmm. obviously a left wing back. So, you know, there could there could be up to three three new signings. Who the identity is, those are, I don't know. I think he'd want a centre back as well. I think Bailey Wright at Bristol City would be a decent mm-hmm. decent yeah. signing. There's quite a lot of interest in him. He's, well, I mean, he was only, like last season or the season before, he played yeah. every week, was he not? Yeah, he's 27, their club captain, but he's out of contract. Um, yeah, I mean, so well, that would be a. He's um, free to leave, I think, this month, isn't he? For, a, for a, whatever, a fee probably. or whatever. Yeah. So he would be a solid, very solid addition, I think. I, yeah. ju- I just wonder where they're looking at it now. And you know, once Phil's had a look at the way they're playing, whether he might sort of readjust the way he's thinking about it. Does he maybe need to bring in as many as as he thought? Because the last thing you want to do is have a a bloated first team squad yeah. and his people unhappy at, at not getting a game. Yeah. Just in terms of McGeady, you asked you asked about McGeady. Um, yeah, I think he'll. I think I, I, I think McGeady will go. I mean, I, I know from having spoken to him at this stage in his career, he wants to be playing football. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's essentially going in and training by himself in the afternoons. Um, I know he's I know he's pretty upset about 
the way it happened. I know obviously the fans were upset about the whole situation and whatnot, mm-hmm. but I just think for everyone's sake, it'd be better for him to go and play football. I think he's got a couple of options in the mm-hmm. championship. So I would imagine he'll go, he'll go and I would play there. So, yeah. And then he, the has, the he would have a lot of the power as well, over where he goes. Yeah. Negedi. Yeah. You would have I'm, thought. I mean, he might have, listen, he might have sat there and thought, you know, when things weren't great around about Christmas time when all that happened, he might have sort of been sitting there thinking, you know, if I hang around for a bit, like it looked as though the manager was, yeah. you know, maybe on his last legs, but the manager's now turned things around. He's yeah. not going to get McGeady back involved. So McGeady might think now, well, I need to go. Well, he will. He'll yeah. think I need to go and play at his age. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he's 33, isn't he, McGeady? Yeah. And he wants yeah. to play He wants to play football. Yeah. Yeah. He's very settled in the area, though. So I'm not too sure whether he'll want to move too far. Yeah. So, like, someone like Sheffield Wednesday or, or Hull or. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think there's some very plausible clubs out yeah. there. Like, I mean, a, a club like, I mean, Hull well, for example would be a very plausible option you know it's very close by it's a, it's a division above but it's not a total light year away in terms of standard you know you can imagine them sort of dropping in and doing a pretty decent job I, I, th- I, I thought Middlesbrough so. would have made a lot yeah. of sense but they then signed Roberts didn't they yeah, yeah but so I, I think they're actually looking for another one though oh, they're right. I think I think, so. I I think be would have made a lot of sense that they, need, they need a bit of experience in there as well yeah. so mm-hmm. that wouldn't surprise um, me I would imagine Robbie Keane yeah. link if they get on yeah. I don't know yeah, I'd imagine, I think they've got a few plates spinning um, Middlesbrough, but I think, yeah. uh, sorry to coin a Steve Bruce phrase there, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I think he's probably one of them. Yeah. In terms of Greg, I think they'll have to take a hit on his, they'll have to pay a fair chunk oh, of his you, wages you, to you, get him. You're getting nothing no, Nobody's going to pay for Will Greg nope. what someone would want mm-hmm. this, yeah. this window. Or you could keep Will Greg, sign Liam Boyce and have a Northern Ireland front three. We'll laugh at him. I think Boyce would be a really good sign. I'd like to see Greg go somewhere, kind of maybe like Rochdale or something like that, and then starts going goals against our promotion rivals. Yeah, like, that, that's, thing that's, that's thing that's squarely on my mind. I just think no matter what we do with Greg, like it is, a, you know, like retrospectively, it's horrendous business because no matter what happens, mate, you I mean you're getting nothing more than a loss, are you? You're not yeah. gonna, you're not gonna break even with Will Greg. You've got how much you paid for him. I mean, I, don't, I mean, I know that it was four million plus all the all the add-ons, but it was. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was, I think it was three, three, three million plus, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. it's I mean, that, that that's that's for League One. It's fairly obscene money, and it seemed like a great punt of ambition at the time. Can you remember? Can you remember the day after deadline day? I remember going out to the stadium of light to, to interview him the mm-hmm. next day, and like Netflix were there and everything. Yeah, and. Um, and you know he was saying he was lying in his pajamas in bed, yeah. like when it, when it, when he got mm. the call, and obviously yeah. it was a last minute move by Sunderland to get him. They've been trying for so long, mm-hmm. but can you? I mean, I can vividly remember the next day the excitement and the minute yeah. people who were just messaging me or tweeting me saying, "Well, Greg's on fire!" Like getting so excited about it. Yeah. And I I, I can't remember a, a transfer in a long time that has flopped so badly. No. Mm-hmm. You know, given what was expected of him at the time, and you almost feel that there's just been almost a little bit too much water under the bridge now, and he maybe just yeah, needs yeah, a fresh yeah. start. Like yeah. his confidence well, is, he, is so mm-hmm. low. He hasn't played a minute for five games. Yeah, he hasn't brought him off the bench. He's been no, named yeah. on the bench. Well, that says it all, doesn't it? Yes, there was an ideal thing to bring him on, wasn't it? And he didn't. Well, you yeah, know, exactly. the game was over. Could have brought him on, tried to get him a goal, but I think he, Will Grigg said himself he couldn't believe how much Sun underpaid, didn't he? Mm-hmm. A week or two after, yeah. he was at a fan thing. I think back at. Uh, yeah, do you not think that's maybe him, just kind of weighed a little bit heavy on him as well? He's so, probably yeah. thought yeah. that, you know, yeah. and there's been, there's been there was a real there was a lot of pressure on him. He's probably put a lot of pressure on himself. But just going back to something you said on on boys, do you think? I mean, I've watched boys quite a bit. Do yeah. you think he, he Parkinson thinks about playing him off to the side? Then is that possibly I think really? Possibly, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I haven't that's seen enough of Liam Boyce. Yeah, only time we really see him is when he's scoring against us. Or, Burton, or certainly know, just a different option through through the middle. Yeah, yeah. Then, well, then, well then you've got White. La- well then you've got White, Lafferty, and Boyce. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Greg, if you can't get you can't get him out. So I mean, it means you've got. I don't know. I, yeah, I just like you're quite oversubscribed up front there. If anything, really, you've got a lot of options for. I don't know, but again, like while I think Greg, it, I feel like it, you can get rid of him if you're obviously prepared to accept a big loss. But then my fear is that the likely candidate will be a fellow League One club pushing for promotion. Yeah, and you know what you, what you don't want to do is for him to go somewhere, start banging them in again, into obviously that would be at the detriment of our promotion push if he did. But yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised if he if he got himself back up to the championship after the last year he's had. Yeah. Very surprised. Mm-hmm. I think someone like maybe we're going to go back in for him again. It's like we're going to struggle at the bottom of Luton. You know, like those are probably two of the few that you think. Yeah, yeah I mm-hmm. mean, I, yeah. I don't know. It'll be. I mean, the problem is teams are going to look at what's happened to him the last it's, year, and they're going to say we're going to get so shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big gamble. Yeah, yeah. I think for for his sake, he probably wants to go somewhere where he's just sort of brought in and then just put straight into the first team just yeah. to play. I think. I think any sort of like hype now in another club would be like firmly to his detriment. I just think, you know, and and again, perhaps maybe to use 
a bit of not to sound too arrogant looking from a Sunderland perspective but a smaller club who aren't going to generate as much hype because obviously we really did mm. you know I, I, I can imagine we brought him in you know gets out his PJs puts some clothes on comes up to Sunderland uh, someone puts the Netflix camera in front of him you know he's amazed that we've paid three million for him um, you know the, I'd, I'd imagine it would be a lot but well, we've got one question of a different angle. So, obviously, Keith, you're in the studio here today. We have a question from Zach3424, loads of numbers, and he said, <laughs> Keith dismissed Sunderland last week, citing the fact that we're only a League One club and Sky weren't interested. So, obviously, you said in the reply to that tweet that you'd like to address that on the pod, so yeah. by all means. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought you might ask that. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say I did kind of sort of dismiss it a little bit. I think... Um, Emotions were high at that stage. Obviously, it was the day that the the statement came out, the joint fan statement came out. Um, I have to say, um, not making excuses, but I actually was ill in my sick bed that day, and I was kind of getting badgered, so to speak, by um, supporters who were sort of, "What do you think about this? What do you say about this? What do you think?" And like I've said all along, like unless I'm on something like this or the transfer show on Sky, which I'm on for this month, uh, every Monday, Tuesday, we're not really, I'm not really sort of here to give my opinion. So very difficult when people are asking you to give your opinion and at the end of the day, um, I'm a reporter and, and, and I'm not a pundit. So yeah, that that was the one, that was the, the main reason. And I probably sent a couple of sort of cheeky replies back because sometimes when you're getting dozens and dozens, sometimes hundreds of sort of comments and replies, it does kind of get on top of you a, a little bit. Um, but I think what what people need to remember is that, and and this is a, this is the the one thing a lot of people have mentioned since then is we're just a little League One club. You obviously don't report on this, and they obviously sort of derived that from a couple of things I've said. Now, if you look at any national publication, whether it be newspaper, radio, or TV, when a team drops down to the Championship or or League One, they don't get as much coverage as a team do in a Premier League, and it's just it's sad the way it is. Um, but it's just the way football's going these days. There's just so much emphasis on the Premier League. And it's certainly with us at Sky as well. Um, I have to try and fight to almost get you on the TV, I think would be a, a way to say it. Like if you have a press conference on a Monday with Phil Parkinson or Jack Ross before, you know, quite often I have to say, look, you know, can we go along to Sunderland? And it just depends whether they sort of want to spend the money sending the crew along to to do that. And I think that's the same. I mean, Richard, you you, you know, you got most of the press conferences, press conferences, there's very few national broadcasters there, unless it's a massive game or there's yeah, a big yeah. story no, a bre- point. brewing or anything yeah, like that. Absolutely. So, so I, I find it hard to kind of get you on. But what I will say is, you name me a team in League One who gets equal or more coverage than what Sunderland does on Sky or any other national platform, you won't find one. Okay, so we Sunderland still get more than more coverage than any other League One club, but I think supporters just need to understand that you're not on a national level. You're not going to get the same coverage as you would do if you were a team in the in the Premier League or even the Championship. I mean, certainly I gave you more coverage in the Championship than I do in League One. I think last season it was a bit of a story because it was your first season down. So again, we probably gave a little bit more. The takeover had just happened. But with it being the second season in League One, the interest on a national level, certainly from, from my bosses, from my producers, kind of dwindles a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I find it hard to get on. Now, that doesn't mean I can't talk about it on Twitter or, or whatever. And I do try to, you know, when I can... But it's just it's just a sad situation, and, just, and it's just the way the way it goes. So yeah, I can understand why fans are saying that. And if I'm honest, um, I'm sort of sort of disappointed in myself for maybe a couple of my my replies, and maybe I should have sort of thought about it a little bit more. So for any supporters who thought I was dismissive, um, I do apologise for that. I, I certainly didn't mean to, and I suppose I was just trying to have a little bit of a a, a joke with some of them as well. Mm. I didn't probably realise the severity of the, the situation. I mean, I've not been to that many matches this season. Um, in fact, yesterday was the first match I've been to in a long time and it was as good an atmosphere as I can remember seeing in my, in my six and a half years in, in the North East. So, you know, going to the game yesterday, I was like, what's the problem? Why is everyone getting so annoyed? But I understand that on Boxing Day against um, Bolton in the 0-0 draw, it was, it was completely different. So yeah. um, I also, if I'm honest with you, feel that over the last 18 months... We have put out a couple of, shall we say, negative Stuart Donald stories or, or stories that maybe went against what he was trying to do or what he said he was trying to do. And the couple of times we've done it, I feel like we've been like sort of shouted down 
don't you know don't say that about our owner whatever he's trying to do the right thing like I'll give you one example was Josh Madger last January people were absolutely battering us for some for, for us breaking the story about Josh Madger leaving saying we were causing all the trouble when really it all been agreed and we were just reporting what was happening and then even more so in the summer when we put a story out to say that he was in talks with a takeover the first takeover that that fell through and I was obviously getting a steer from powers that be at the club Stuart and his people I was getting steers from them and then obviously I was then 15-20 minutes later reading on um, Twitter or reading on Roker Report interview with Stuart quotes from Stuart saying that it's absolute rubbish and we're talking so there was real mixed messages coming out so I felt the warning signs have always been there I know a lot of other national journalists have written stories um similar to that that they've kind of they've tried to say negative things we feel as a whole that we've kind of have been shouted down so then when the fans groups team up together to put a statement out like that to say look Donald out Parkinson out there's a little bit of me that's a bit like well hang on we kind of kind of told you so but now looking back in, in the code like day thinking about it it is a big story it is four fans groups doing that I mean I must say having been at the match yesterday having listen to Parkin, Phil Parkinson after the game if and watch the style of football that was played it all does look a little bit hasty to me so they've either everyone's either gone too quick and they've been too hasty or I tell you what they've played, played an absolute blinder mm-hmm. and they've actually in a kind of strange yeah. roundabout way got everyone together and, and got the team playing mm-hmm. and got the ma- everyone behind the manager I don't know mm-hmm. but yeah that's a long answer to answer a pretty short question but yeah, yeah um I suppose to just to cap it off, you know, people say, "Oh, you're a mag, you're a Newcastle fan because you cover them." What we don't, I cover them more because they're in the Premier League, and you know, you'll know from most other national journalists that work in the northeast, they're in the exact same position. If Sunderland were in the Premier League and Newcastle were in League One, it would be exactly the same, mm-hmm. and it's just just the way it is. And I think people have to accept that that if I'm covering Newcastle, it's because I'm told to go there by my bosses, you know. I suppose um, as well to, to sort of go with what you're saying that it cap it off it can be quite a volatile industry football uh, as, as a whole you know results can change and fluctuate and emotions correspond with those so I think that's always the case with things like Twitter exchanges oh, when yeah. results happen it's it's just I think it's it's possibly just par for the course and, and what, what happens happens yeah to... I mean I mean, if, if, if we're writing positive Sunderland pieces I mean even yesterday like I was at the match, you put a couple of tweets out saying how good the football was, and you get a few mm-hmm. Newcastle fans having a go, and you're like, "You literally can't win, whatever you do." <laughs> yeah. Like you mm-hmm. actually can't, you actually can't just say what you see anymore. Because mm-hmm. if you say what you see, it means you're affiliated to one yeah. one side or the other. I mean, as you know, I'm, and you can hear it in my accent. I'm Scottish. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan <laughs> of either club. All I want for for me in a professional level, and now that I've got so many friends down here who support both Sunderland and Newcastle mm-hmm. and Middlesbrough, all I want is all three teams to to do well. And then I don't, I don't understand how. Joe Bloggs in the street can't understand that why you have to pick one or the other like yeah, I actually yeah. just want them all what, mm-hmm. what I would love is all three of them in the Premier League fighting to win trophies fighting to get into Europe but sadly that's not the case so you have to just report on what, what you see in front of you and let's be honest until the last few weeks it's been highly negative for Sunderland mm-hmm. it really has despite a couple of apart from a couple of trips out to Wembley mm-hmm. the last four or five years it's been horrendous certainly in the six six and a half years mm-hmm. I've been down here it's been pretty dire mm-hmm. to report on and you know you can you can only yeah. report on what's in front of you so you're essentially saying that you have to report what you see basically totally if, yeah. you're, if you're no. watching a side lose consecutive games then that's the, the nature of what I you mean, would report well, I mean, on. The, the supporters are the biggest critics you know and yeah. like look at what look at what they did just after Boxing Day with, it, with the statements and everyone getting behind or most of the supporters I think I know mm-hmm. there's been a bit of a divide but most of the supporters getting behind this Donald Out campaign so mm-hmm. they're critics as well so you know we, we, we are there to do the same but maybe we maybe aren't to the same level of, of criticism as, as what they do but we need to understand that we can't we can't take sides we just need to report on what, what we see in front of us and, mm-hmm. and for a long time now it's been really bad for Sunderland it's not been great for Newcastle either but they're managing to kind of keep their head above water in the Premier League so we need to report on it to that to that effect mm-hmm. We've got one more question before we do the MK Dons prediction and then finish and this question is about Kevin Phillips obviously there were a lot of chants and I didn't actually realise but there were loads of like Super Kev chants from the South Stand um through the game and I wasn't quite sure why really actually it was because he was there at the stadium yeah. watching so yeah. um, you know more fool me but Josh Dixon says based on the reaction he got and the reaction he showed to the fans is it worth getting Kevin Phillips on the coaching staff thoughts you could certainly do a lot worse um, <laughs> yeah I think he'd be in a fans museum event on the Friday 
And I did wonder whether Parkinson knew he was there or not yesterday because there was three loud chants of super. I think he, I think he, I think he knew after about five minutes yeah. of the game kicking off. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> obviously last time they were chanting super Kev, it was to replace Phil Parkinson. Yeah, and he must be thinking, I don't know, we're three nil up. Yeah, there's no <laughs> chant yeah. for uh, super Kev. Well, it could have been very awkward yesterday if you'd lost. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like at least oh, yeah. the team were playing well. Yeah, imagine yeah. they'd lost and and, yeah, and yeah. Kevin Phillips was there. If that was yeah. mid-crisis, was... it could have been pretty nasty. But... Yeah. Uh, he'd be an excellent addition to the coaching staff. Do I think Parkinson will bring him in, given that a lot of fans wanted him to replace Parkinson? No, I don't. Mm, yeah. And I think he'd be a very solid striker coach. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I thought at the time, uh, uh, when Jack Ross went, like all the other fans, I was like, they need to go for Kevin Phillips. Yes, he's not got the experience as a manager, but, and I said it at the time, they needed someone just to come in to try and put smiles on faces just again. It, yeah. That's just what they needed. And, whether he's got the experience or not, he's a character and I can imagine players wanting to play for him and I thought he would be absolutely ideal. And I felt that Stuart Donald at the time looked a gift horse in the mouth when he was basically offering his services to come in and he decided to go against that. However, what I'll say is you have to give him credit because Phil Parkinson looks like he's turning things around and mm -hmm. fair play to Phil Parkinson. He's been getting abused from everywhere and he's always done is he's stuck his head down and he's just got on with it. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a weaker man would have would have crumbled, but he's really he's 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 let his work do the do the talking and you can never have seen this a few a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But I know you want to talk about Phillips, but just in, in terms of in terms of Parkinson, I felt from the outside looking in I know the fans were sort of crowing for him to go or some fans were crowing for him to go a few weeks ago and that has changed somewhat. For me, you can't bring a manager in in October and then not give him the tran a January transfer window. He's got someone else's squad of players there. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter how bad results we are, I think you need to get see them <clears> through <throat> to January. Mm -hmm. Now, luckily, there's been obviously some shoots of shoots of green before that and, and now fans are like, oh, hang on, we maybe trust him bringing players and they're quite pleased that Lafferty's arrived, whatever, and the, the turn of form has come just about at the, at, at the right time. Um, but I must say, you have to praise Parkinson because when he arrived and he came into his opening press conference, that day, I must admit, I wasn't that impressed. I thought, oh God, this mm -hmm. isn't, you know, you kind of just get a feel for someone. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I don't think this is going to go well here. I really did. Mm -hmm. when, when he sat there and spoke, I just didn't feel impressed by him at all. But what I will say is, it doesn't really matter whether he impresses us or not. It matters what he does to his players. And, mm -hmm. and despite the fact you went out all the cups, early doors and lost a number of games, that is as complete a performance I've seen in a Sunderland team in a long time. And, mm -hmm. and he's definitely got them, them playing for him. Now, Kevin Phillips, would have been a, you know, he would have been a great choice to get everyone on board and 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 whatever. Whether he would have had quite the same plan that Parkinson's got, I, I, I don't know. Mm. I think just on Parkinson, I think the word word from the club was always that he was going to get the January window. But I don't think Parkinson could have complained too much if he had been booted a after the Burton game. Mm -hmm. I agree. Tuesday defeat, and then certainly after the Bolton. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've, I, I yeah. mean, I'm saying this right. I've, I wasn't at those games, so I didn't see those yeah. games. I didn't see how bad they were, so it's probably unfair really for me to. They really didn't feel like there was any way forward, and then all of a no. sudden he yeah. changed. I think his philosophy a little bit, and it yeah. clicked to Doncaster. And like you say, mm -hmm. Keith, huge credit to him for that. Mm -hmm. I think um, to call it a miracle for Parkinson is disrespectful to him because obviously that's his own volition. He's he's kept his hand on the wheel and he's pulled he's pulled the team round, and it's looking now like he's, it's it's we we're looking like a team that we wanted to see at the start of the season and if they play the way they were they look like a team that could win the league you know if they keep playing like that absolutely mm -hmm. he looked like a different man when he came into his press conference after the game yesterday he looked like a different man yeah, didn't yeah. he yeah. the weight of the world looked like it lifted off his shoulders well, and I know, I know he yeah. still knows there's a lot of work to be done but yeah. he looked like a manager yeah. actually with his, the bit between his teeth enjoying yeah. himself whereas the couple of press conferences I've been to in weeks previously he just looked a bit like a beaten man yeah. he, was so, he still had the Bolton bit, thing in his head for me I, th I, always, I always thought when we had him I still think he had what happened to Bolton at the back of his mind and I think since the draw at Boxing Day it's just kind of went Ugh, and just maybe try to start afresh and just like right we're going to try and attack mm -hmm. and we're going to try and score more goals and everybody because he's kind of even though we weren't playing very well we weren't conceding many goals so he kind of sorted the defence out so he said right I've got maybe got this sorted out now I'm now going to focus on attack and I'm going to try and score more goals than everybody else and that's maybe what's done it. And I think now, as as you said, when, when he first, a couple of his press conferences, when he first came in, were like, oh dear, you know, he was so like, kind of negative. And then looking at him yesterday, they bounced in, didn't he? he was, like his, his shoulders seem a bit more lifted now. And maybe more, the more confident he's getting 
and no confident that we're getting on the pitch. It's starting to show now on the pitch. I mean, you look, it's a great job at Sunderland. You know what I mean? If anyone can turn the tide at Sunderland, then it's one of the best jobs in mm. English football. Yeah. Well, I was looking, yesterday showed that. Well, I was looking yesterday. Gareth Ainsworth was standing there yeah. and Phil Parkinson yeah. at three 0 yeah, at three yeah, yeah. 0 down, and I'm looking at the two of them and thinking, well, you know, Ainsworth was one of the managers who were targeted. I yeah. bet he's kind of looking around just now. Yeah. The amount of supporters here, the atmosphere in the ground, which was really good yesterday. And looking to his left, 10 yards to his left, and there's Phil Parkinson, yeah. who probably wasn't first choice for the job and standing there, and he must be thinking, hang on, how did this happen? Yeah, yeah You know, yeah, and, yeah, it, and it just shows you how, how, how quickly th- you know, things can change. I mean, change. in four months' time, um, you know, a lot of us, I mean, I came on this pod and advocate, I, don't, I didn't want Parkinson in at all. Um, and I wanted him sacked. One on Twitter said I want them sacked after the Bolton game. I am more than happy in four months' time if we've achieved promotion to say that he's proven me wrong and that's what we want really. Mm-hmm. You know, all we want at the end of the day is to get promoted. But, oh, it, fe- but it feels now as though progress is keep being made. Yeah? Certainly, yeah. As, yeah. as a fan, you must see that. He already, behind the scenes, clearly had the wheels in motion despite the fact results weren't, weren't mm-hmm. great. Well, it, it comes back to the whole thing about it being a volatile industry. You know, yeah. like things can things can, things can can turn on, on, on the hinges like that and I think hindsight's a wonderful thing. Did, did I want him out three weeks ago? Absolutely, I did. You know, after the Bolton game, I was like, wow, this, this is the League One David Moore. This guy's got nothing about him. There's no positivity here, and but then he turns it around, and I think you know what? I, I was completely wrong, and I should have yeah. stuck with him. But I think when you're in the moment, it's I think you know when you're watching your team that was in the Premier League three years ago plummet to 16th in League One, you you can't help yeah. but just be totally despondent. But I think I think a lot of football is weird. It, you know, like the, the the vehicle of football operates on the emotions of the fans, and that's never going to change. It's always going to be a thing like that. Again, ultimately, I would much rather see Parkinson succeed than fail. You know, like I don't care who comes in, you know, within reason. I would want them to succeed as a manager of this club because I love this club and I want to see this club win games of football. But I think ultimately you have to look and you have to just think, yeah, it's a really good job that things have turned around. And if if he, if he had been sacked, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have begrudged the decision. But obviously, as we are now, it seems like that it would have been the wrong one. But you can, you can never know when you're in the dark. I think as well, though. I mean, and I because obviously, you like if you take any club out of League One within uh, sorry any club out of the Premier League, and then in two and a half years put them in fifteenth in League One, you're gonna get a reaction. You know, it's not just because it's Sunderland. It's because you know we've had two and a half years of endless misery. Yeah, and when we are, we do. You know, we're we're not a League One club. You know, it's a Premier League stadium. It's a Premier League facilities. It's a Premier League fan base. Yeah, you, you, know, you, you expect you expect more, don't you? Yeah, I think that, it's, that's it, all it it's was, easy for me know. to sort of sort of sit there and go, oh, well, you need to be yeah, patient, you yeah. need to be patient, but then I'm not going to the games week yeah. in, week it's out. It's like seeing your team lose Minnick, to you know? 1-0 yeah, and your manager yeah. being over the moon with a point. Yeah, but I think that's it because I think what the, the difficulty is, and I think I probably look at other clubs and other teams and I do the same thing, I think we all do. I think when from the outside looking in, all you have to look at a scenario is is logic. You know, if it's not your club and there's no emotional attachment, but when it's Sunderland, when it's yeah. our club, you've got logic and emotion, and they intertwine, and it can, it, it, it can, it can, it, at times, it can obscure your better judgment. Of course, it can, and we've all, we've all, you know, made takes on football that have proven to be respectively wrong. But when, if you'd ask the Sunderland fans, what's the best course of action? If if all I've if all I've got to go on is a manager who's playing seven defenders against Gillingham when he's got them fifteenth in the League One, they're going to want him out. But he's turned he's turned it around and full credit to him. He's doing a really good job now, and we're playing a team that we wanted from the start of the season from the off. So, you know, I, I, do I want Parkinson now? Of course I do because he, because it's all going right. Did I what want are you him? calling him, Parkiola? Parkiola. Parkiola. <laughs> One of my mates texted me yesterday on the way home for the game. He's like, are you going in to see Parkiola after yeah. the game? Yeah. He's like, do you want to come to the pub for a beer? And I was like, no, I'm going to go in and listen to Parkiola. <laughs> you can't spell Parkinson without in. So, you know, let's have a mic. But that's the thing. Again, that's it's a volatile industry. You know, like every Sunderland fan who wanted them out at the Bolton game is justified in their opinion. If you want him in now, then again, that's yeah. totally justified because he's, he's pulled it around. No one saw it coming, but we're all we're all happy that it is what it is. Very happy to be proved wrong coming the end of the season. Oh, absolutely! I, I love being proven wrong if it means that my team's doing well. Yeah. You know, like just very quickly as well, like and and all like it doesn't really happen in any other sort of region, bar like the northeast, with how quick we are kind of to judge kind of that we have really kind of stick up for Newcastle fans as well. All we have really is football. That's our mm-hmm. bread and butter, isn't it? Listen, you it's the I mean? same in other places. Yeah. I mean, I've obviously told you my heart support. We've mm-hmm. got Daniel Stendhal as mm-hmm. our manager. He, he's lost his first four games in charge. Yeah. And they were they were stories up in Scotland. Stendhal's lost the dressing room and all this. I'm like, he's mm-hmm. only been in Doe for three or four weeks. <laughs> he's working with a, a load of players that he's been given and they don't suit his style of high press. 
you know, and mm-hmm. suddenly every all the fans are like, nah, he's not what I could see the criticism, I could see what people yeah, were saying. Yeah. And in the last game, they drew one one with Aberdeen at home, but they absolutely battered them in the game. It was the last mm-hmm. game before they went to Bray, and you could just see oh just quiet, it's done the yeah. It's just like hey, listen, people say it, we say it again and again and again. Managers say it all the time, it's a results driven business. If you're winning games of football, everything changes. Uh, predictions for the MK Dons game, I'll go around the table. Give me a score prediction, give me your scorers. We'll start with you, Richard. Uh, well, I think Sunderland will uh, narrow victory. It won't be as convincing as previously. Uh, I'm going to go 2 1. Um, Maguire again and Lafferty off the, right. be- off the bench. Nice. Oh, do we have to actually pick the scorers? Yeah. Hey, if you want. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just looking at MK Don's form as we speak there. So they're, right. so they're unbeaten in four. Yeah? yeah. So they're doing all right, but they're doing in 19th. Um, yeah, I just feel having watched Sunderland at the weekend, and okay, I don't have that much to kind of go on, but mm. I just thought the performance was that good. That dressing room, that changing room right now, I just going to be desperate for the next game to come yeah. around. You know, they're just going to be looking at they're gone they're gone from you know this hectic schedule to suddenly like when's our next game? Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. And, and and I just feel they're going to go into it. You know, just you could see it even at the, the players didn't want to come off the pitch at the end mm-hmm. of the game. They kind of did a little lap of honour. They were almost getting dragged off. They're going to be desperate to go back out there again. Yes, MK Dons are in decent form, but I just think the level of that performance from Sunday mm-hmm. the other day they'll take into the MK Dons game. I I hope and I expect you to go on a, a decent run now. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you to win two 0 No idea who the scorers are, <laughs> but um, yeah. having watched. Maguire at the weekend, you know he's he's in form, so I would imagine he'll be amongst the goals. But yeah, I think I think you'll go there and win that. And yeah, um, I think it's it's quite a strange game for us now because we're we're going to be going down there expecting to win. You know, we're, I'm expecting us to win next week. Um, I'm going down myself, so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I think we'll play in our hands a little bit that we're at quite a nice stadium. So the players will be you know we used to play at Stadium Light and playing well there. Um, so we're going there. I'm going to stop you there, Rand. Quite a nice stadium. Yeah, it's it's a nice stadium. Yeah, been. This is the guy who goes on his summer holidays to Ireland. That's true. It's a nice. It's a it's yeah. a, it's a like a proper football. I've stadium. never it's... never been to MK but that's one of the highlights of seeing Sunderland going from Premier League to League One. I've almost ticked off all the ninety two in the last yeah. uh, in the last few seasons. We've You've not been, been there yet. United as well. You've not been. But never never been to MK Dons. No. no. It's, uh, well, I mean, it... I've been outside of it, but I've never been in it we're, until next week. So that's so that's two people in the one room looking forward to going to Milton Keynes. It's quite quite astounding, really. But you know, like so yeah, so I'm going down there, like I said, travelling down. So expecting us to win. Hopefully, we can um, keep up the performance. And I think if we do, we will we will beat them because we're on paper a better team than them. So I am going to say three nil, um, and I'm going to go Lyndon Gooch, and I'm going to go Charlie White and Chris Maguire with probably another pearl of a free kick. And that's do. the first time predicted a win since I've started this podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> only a good sign because obviously when you predicted the other games before, that was during the bad runs. So yes. only a good omen. It was one ones, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, yeah, if not worse. But yeah, um, um, I was looking at the MK Dons game. So obviously on the downside, they're in good form. But on the plus side, they're not very good. Like we've played them early this season, the 19th. They aren't a good team. We are a good team on paper and on form now. So I'm going to say 3-1 win. Um and I'm probably going to go with I think I think ooh let's see I'm going to go for another goal from Hume or nine and then one from Lafferty off the bench yeah. so yeah cool. I'm, in, I'm in pretty good spirits about this one so yeah thank you very much for listening to the pod as a final mention for today's pod yesterday's match was the end of an era as George Baker Sunderland's longest serving member of staff retired at the age of 87 after service at the club since 1959 George had been the steward in the players tunnel since 1959 as I said and we at the Roker Report podcast wish him the very best in his retirement thank you very much as always to our venue Sunland University for giving us a studio to record in thank you very much and good night This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. 
Invesco Distributors, Inc. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.